Thanks for listening to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Crown Peak and Elastic Path and hosted by me, James Gerd. Uh, a warm welcome if it's your first time. We put a lot of time and effort into bringing you really interesting guests, thought leaders and great free content. Help us keep it that way. Tell other people about it. Get more people listening to the podcast. Share our social posts on LinkedIn and Twitter. And the best thing you can do is give this show a rating if you haven't already on Apple, Spotify, YouTube or wherever else you might be listening. So let me introduce um, the new episode and then um, hand over to our guests. So our topic today is an interesting one and it's uh, been talked about a lot in the industry. It's about using generative AI with a focus on improving performance and profitability within the online grocery space. So a really interesting industry that isn't often talked about in e-commerce podcasts. And we've got two experts in this area. So firstly, a warm welcome to Scott Miller, who's an independent consultant. So hi, Scott. How are you? Doing great. Nice to be here. I appreciate you joining us. So um, before I um, uh, introduce Prem, do you want to give people a bit of an overview of who you are, what you do? Sure. I've uh, been in the grocery business about 45 years. I currently work with multiple retailers um, on a lot of the independent side, but uh, have been on both operations, merchandising, held the positions of CO, uh, started bagging. So I think I've got a pretty good view of of kind of where the industry is and where it's trying to go. And I appreciate the opportunity to share. Yeah, as we said before we start recording, I've worked with a lot of on a lot of brands selling into online grocers, and I love the space. I'm really interested. I'm going to learn a load from your experience as well, so I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us, um, and a warm welcome back on the podcast, uh, Prem. How are you doing, sir? Hey, James. Thanks for having us. It's great to have Scott out here. Uh, yeah, it's nice to be back. Uh, for uh, those of you who don't know me, I'm Prem Kiran, founder and CEO of Hypersonics. Uh, we are uh, an artificial intelligence company, very much focused around commerce and retail. Uh, and grocery is obviously one of our uh, flagship segments that we help uh, serve. Uh, so it's nice to be here and uh, I'm, be, I'm excited about the discussion. Yeah, looking forward to the last episode we did with you got, um, was very popular and had a load of plays. So I'm fully expecting this one to, to land just as well. Let, let's get cracking it. So Scott, let's let's start with you actually to give the kind of like the strategic market sure. view. Like um, online grocery business, how have they typically approached like performance and profitability analysis? Like, what are the challenges? What toolkits do they typically use prior to the availability of the AI side? Well, I think that I think that it's broken down in many ways by size and size of the retailer. Um, a lot of the larger retailers have had the benefit of volume, and with volume comes uh, cash and cash flow. And that's allowed them, I think, if you begin to break down the retail segment, you would see that the uh, the large brands, the the Walmarts, the Kroger's of the world, they've been in the technology side. I think that they will end up using uh, AI as an example as the next tool in, in their uh, repertoire. I think the regional players across the country it, that are fighting, you know, the large players, whether it be Kroger, Publix, you know, different ones across the, the nation. Every regional is struggling with that concept. Um, I think there's always been a lot of technology that from a price optimization or from a pricing standpoint, you can get good pricing software that will allow you to um, control your data and be able to control your margins to a certain point. But when you start trying to bring in competitive data, how hard it is to get competitive data, retailers are not known for sharing their information. So there's, there's a lot of gaps out there that, that you have to work through. And so in some ways, uh, and I've been working on the pricing software side, probably for a solid, uh, 
hard at it for the last 20 plus years. And I think that uh, price, you know, getting to the point where you can get a forecasting engine, something that can give you what if strategy strategies and things like that, that's what begins to make a difference because now it'll, it'll allow the playing field to be level because in the past you just haven't had that technology, the smaller the retailer. Yeah, that makes sense. And actually, so, so following on from that, I think a lot of people who have worked in online grocery, whether it's as consultants or whether it's people in brand selling into it, will, will be aware of like, digital store analytics platforms like eFundamentals, Profiteero, which do a lot of like, digital shelf analytics and automatic reporting and dashboards and alerts. Where do you see the this generative AI piece, which is where hypersonics is in? Where do you see that doing something different? And what and what is the reason why online grocers need to take this seriously? Well, I I think that if you're an online, I, I think that there's a the way the grocery industry looks at it. Okay, we we not I'm not speaking for everyone. I'll just certainly give you an opinion, but. Um, Online grocer is a segment of the business. Most of us are still brick and mortar, and the vast majority of the consumers, even though e-commerce has taken off and is is obviously taking its fair share, um, I think we still have a huge amount of the populace that relies on brick and mortar to get their groceries. And so, for us, it's the idea of taking, moving away from, I would call pricing engines that don't give us the ability to have for, you know, foresight and to be able to look out into the future, we have a tendency to be, I think it's really the move from being um, a reactive situation to a proactive situation. And I think that's, what's going to make the difference for if I'm, if I'm a retailer and I have a hundred, 200, 300 brick and mortars, or I have one, the idea that I can, I can somehow do an analysis with a forward thinking, forward learning uh, software that's going to allow me to to not only take competitive markets into play, but allow me to decide how I want to play in that market. Now, now it's it turns into a into a game changer. Again, a lot of the bigger retailers have uh, are keeping up with that technology, and and they're probably going to be ahead of us from that perspective. But the wars are fought, in my opinion, still at the brick and mortar level, and. You can you it is expensive, very expensive for retailers to do um, click and collect and be able to to take it all the way to the you know to the store. Well, and then even partnering with DoorDash or folks like that, it's a good solution. But I think over the last five seven years of of being with retailers that have done all the way to delivery and done our own delivery, it's a very expensive proposition. So any tool that can get us to help us with both profit, profitability mix, uh, just about anything you want to look at on the internal side and turn that into tactical operations on the outside, um, I think that makes a huge difference. That's why I'm excited, especially after this long in the industry. Excellent. So um, so let's with that as our context, so let's look at some of the common challenges of risk in retail grocery and then look at how businesses are um, and other businesses can be used in hypersonics to drive change in value. And I don't know, Prem, maybe if you if you go first on these, and then Scott, you can build on, on Prem's answers. But first one's around pricing strategy. I know sure. you talk about you have a lot. There's lots of price monitoring tools, but they are they are quite quite um, crude engines. Some of them in terms of reacting um, across product sets, um, but they do react to market pressures, trying to avoid the race to the bottom of just constantly discounting because other people are. 
where so where does hypersonics fit in in this space attract your complete product discovery growth engine create relevant shopping experiences that convert into sales and grow online revenue with personalized search merchandising and recommendation solutions powered by ai find out more at attract.com yeah, uh, I think, uh, you know, for Scott's earlier point, I think the true innovation in AI and how AI can really help uh, grocery and, and any mass merchandising uh, uh, retailer today is uh, a lot of these guys have, let's just start with the basics, right? They have a large number of SKUs. They have a large number of uh, volume of transactions that happen every single day as people walk in across their channels, across their stores, across their categories. And when you start looking at, you know, understanding the profitability mix, understanding what's working and what's not working, and where should I really take action? Uh, you need the real shift that's happened is, Scott's uh, uh, point is where a system can actually monitor and proactively recommend stuff, right? Because it's sometimes, you know, there's like there's a saying, it's a little bit of information before the fact is a lot more valuable than having all the information after the fact, right? So it's where a system can truly look at you know, signals, being able to look at, and these signals could be a variety of signals. It could be like you know, sales signals, competitor signals, market signals, it could be uh, cost signals, it could be inventory signals. So you're looking at uh, you know, at least five, seven, 10 different types of signals that are changing at a fairly rapid velocity on a daily basis. And being able to monitor that and constantly tell you uh, where should you be taking action, right? And, and why? And being able to provide you the facts behind it, so that you know experts like Scott or others who are in the industry can look at that data and say, yes, this makes sense. I'm going to you know do something here, not do something here, take some action at this store, not at that store, on this channel, and not at that channel. Being able to do these micro decisions on every single day because all these adds up, right? A thousand dollars here and two thousand dollars there on a daily basis all adds up towards a significant lift in profit by the end of the month or by the end of the quarter. That's where a system like Hypersonics comes into play is that we are that advanced monitoring intelligence forecasting system that looks at hey, where, where, where does the future, what, what, what are the patterns we're able to uncover in data? What are we able to see uh, that's happening across these various types of signals? And how do these correlate to each other? Uh, and this is the classic generative mo AI model, right? So we have what Hypersonics today has is a fine-tuned model uh, for a uh, fine-tuned large language model for commerce and retail, right? Where it understands all these signals, it understands how these signals correlate with each other. It understands what this correlation means for the predictions in terms of what, what does it mean for the forecast and what is an ideal prescription if that's su supposed to happen. Uh, and to layer on, what uh, Scott said is also provide a, a place where you can do things like what-if analysis and do scenario planning, right? You have what idea of scenarios you want to plan, you want to do what idea of what-if analysis, and you want to do that based on how your computers change their price or how your cost changes or how many units you have. And you want the system to be able to simulate and give you a directional guidance. Uh, those are all areas where we're where we innovating. Uh, because our goal is, again, uh, you know, is to help commerce and, and retail make more profit every day. Right? So how can we help them do that with all these changing parameters? And that's kind of the space we are trying to champion. Yeah, I was just going to add to that. You know, I, I think that uh, we talked briefly about this idea of, and I think this is the the key to at least how we're using it and what I'm doing in the out in the grocery industry with different clients. Um, too often, 
trying to get to the level of basket analysis and being able to really understand what your customer base is versus um, the traditional price. You know, you got to chase, you're chasing your competition. So you have Walmart or are you a high-low operator? Are you, do you have a card? I mean, you have all these traditional ways to go to market that have been out there for the last 10, 20 years. Um, I was, a, I was with a retailer in the nineties that actually started one of the first shopper cards. The problem was we didn't have enough experience and enough, uh, technology in our side to understand what to do with the data. So flash forward, now we're in a model where even small retailers with the right tools can begin to understand what their customers are looking for. And that's, that's a profit changer for us. And many people that maybe aren't in the grocery business, it is true. We operate on about three to five cents to seven cents on the dollar. And, and that's a fact. It's not me just saying that. So suddenly you're moving into a model where you can begin to understand price elasticity, not just across retail price prices, but also across your own customer base to see where it goes. So the idea of 80-20 rule now changes a little bit because you're going to have more control and you're going to make strategic decisions on possibly your go-to-market strategy and, and realize you could be more profitable, not necessarily chasing down the retail or chasing down the big boxes yeah. and that kind of thing. But I'll, 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 I'll add this. Price is only one, one mechanism. It's only one strategy. You've got to have a lot of other things that create the value proposition um, for your customer. That can be service. That can be you know how you pit yourself against your competition. Um, but it does come back to a value proposition. So imagine you're getting a tool that gives you the depth of knowledge that you've never kind of had before. If you sit in that, uh, smaller tier, um, the challenge will be that the AI side of it speeds up your speeds up your bigger boxes and your bigger, you know, your bigger comp competition. However, however, Independent retailers have been known to be extremely nimble in the marketplace. So now, now I know I got to stay nimble to stay alive. But I also now you've given me a tool that allows me to to uh, proactively proactively get ahead of the curve. Where maybe in the past I'm reading a report that's thirty days old and or even a week old, and I still can't react. Yet I'm out there average. I'm out there spending one to two percent of my sales on advertising, and it's not as effective. So hope that helps. Yeah. It reminds me of my first jobs of sitting in Monday trading meetings where people present data's, uh, data and graphs with green and red, and then everyone looks at each other and says, speechy next week, and then nothing's done about it. Uh, and the move to actually doing things in real time and making decisions that improve it. So yeah, that does resonate. Um, and actually, it leads on nicely, Prem, to my, my next question around um, like how people in the online grocery space are using the tool in. It's inventory management. People will be used to having like stock coverage reports where they look at run rates and, okay, we've got three weeks coverage. They plan their replenishment accordingly. I guess the question that other people have will be, so where where does hypersonics fit in here? What does it do differently? What What's that value add that people can get from it in terms of that stock management intelligence? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And it's not just true for stock management, but I think across the board, how we help uh, is, I think the biggest value is, you know, I can, I, the best way I can explain this is, you know, you go to a doctor and you get a health report, right? And you can do that every once in a while. And every time you go, you can create a report and it shows up and, you know, you can take action versus you have a system now 
like an Apple Watch or something that's on your hand, it constantly tells you, hey, your blood pressure is going up or your sugar is going up. So it's the ability to do this advanced monitoring on an ongoing basis in real time, right? So what the real value that Hypersonics brings to several of our clients is the fact that we are constantly monitoring every single signal and providing you near real-time insights. And we're doing it in a, uh, to Scott's point, we're doing it in bite-sized fashion where it's easy to consume and easy to act. Because that's fundamentally what you're trying to do, right? You're, help, you're helping retailers and e-commerce merchants make smarter, faster decisions by creating superhuman capabilities to them, right? And you're able to do that because you're constantly monitoring this data, you're looking at it and you're telling in advance, saying, hey, we are, we are sensing that you will go out of stock in this item based on what the latest sales velocity we are seeing, based on the forecast, reforecasting we did. Or we think that you have, we think that this item is getting overstocked because all of a sudden we have seen a drop in sales velocity of these items uh, at this location, right? And so you're going to be overstocked by X amount, and this much amount of working capital is going to get locked. We suggest that you drop the price and you reforecast. So being able to do things like that, where the system automatically suggests a markdown strategy or automatically suggests uh, a stock up strategy, right? Uh, and you're able to do that with a much more advanced forecasting system. Even one of the surprises I've seen with some of our retailers today is even their forecasting systems are pretty antiquated, right? You know, they use a naive forecast. They don't now you have a lot more advanced forecasting capability using machine learning where I can forecast based at a daily basis, time of the day, hour of the week, etc. So you can even do advanced forecasting tied together with advanced monitoring helps you avoid those out of stock. I mean, you remember even during COVID just a year and a half, two years ago. Big retailers like Target and Walmart ran out of stock, right? You would be thinking when they have huge teams and a lot of, you know, they should be able to predict the sales velocity and forecast and, you know, be able to you know, stock up at the right time to avoid so much amount of out of stock uh, opportunity. So those are all areas now, you know, tie that to the smaller retailers, right? They don't have the kind of staff and, and the you know, time to sit and uh, reforecast and relook at the needs for, hey, where should I be stocking up and which store and how should I be looking at it? And those are all areas where we try to make it. So the fundamental value there is advanced monitoring, doing it at extremely high speed, uh, and then summarizing it into the most impactful areas uh, for people to focus on, right, to drive maximum profitability. So that's kind of where the system is very fine-tuned towards, and that's how we try to help. And our goal is to help the mass, mass, vast majority of merchants, right? I don't think we are built for the top 1% of the Walmarts or the Kroger's because they have huge in-house teams mm-hmm. that are going to do very custom stuff. Ours is a lot more, okay, how can I help every regional retailer or every mass merchant out there or e-commerce merchant out there, uh, you know, get more profitable, right? So that's that's fundamentally how our value comes in, especially when it comes to inventory or promotions or pricing, is to be able to look at things in a much more advanced fashion and take uh, timely action, yeah? Yeah, I would just add very simply that um, if you have an average grocery store, I think in the U.S. is about 30,000 square feet. They're probably carrying twenty-five to 35,000 SKUs. The big guys get all the way up to, you know, 100,000 100, SKUs. And I think the idea behind, you know, just managing your selection and understanding, uh, you know, with that kind of knowledge is going to lead to some a lot of changes, I think, in the industry. Um, turn is everything. So an average grocery store with 25, 30,000 items might be sitting on, you know, between 300 and 500,000 inventory in every single location. 
So much less overlaying the idea of perishable products. You know, we're just kind of, you know, on that idea behind, you know, the difference between e-commerce, which is, you know, everyone has seen that the struggle is, can somebody deliver a banana to your house and you're happy with it? You know, so perishables is still a challenge as it relates to how you move into the e-commerce segment. So that's going to end up just allowing us to be able to, sorry, allowing us to be able to manage our inventories. And that's going to be a game changer out in the industry over the next three to five years. So um, much less the idea, I'm sure we'll touch on topics like perpetual inventory and things like that. But for me personally, doing this as long as I have, it's just this idea that we now are going to have a tool that is going to uh, level the playing field not only from price perspective, from the outside looking in to our end user, our consumer, but the inside looking, looking, making better decisions and uh, actually moving product and rotation or moving product faster, which in turn is going to, I think, going to have huge impact on the supply chain. Yeah. The thing I really like is the, the suggestion of, of, of like tactics or strategies to do it. Cause I think that's the real value add of provoking discussion also helping people who might not know the best way to react i think that's really nice and i've got another question actually linked to the the um stock piece because and this isn't unique to online grocery but you often see disconnect between like operations and merchandising trading teams where somebody pushes a merchandising campaign to push products that they want to because they think it's right from a marketing point of view but actually there might be a supply chain issue the PO might not be receipted and the stock is not coming in and it's delayed by four, six weeks. And all of a sudden you get this big demand and it can't be fulfilled and you create loads of customer experience issues. I'd love to hear, I don't know who wants to take this one, but how are you seeing Hypersonics already working in this area or do you foresee that it will be supporting retailers to help plug some of those gaps? Yeah, I, I can start off then. And yes, that's that's a huge area of focus for us, James, as to how we can bring everybody on the same page, right? So I think when you kind of monitor and look at signals and provide recommendations or insights, uh, in fact, some of the new capabilities we're adding to our insights is where you can do a question and answer session, very similar to chat GPT, right, with our insights. So it allows, A, it helps people to come on the same page and then collaborate, right? So you're essentially helping people come on the same page then collaborate on a topic. And the topic would be simple as category sales, right? At a certain store. I have a certain store, I have certain categories in that store that are selling. And, you know, there are certain insights that we're able to provide right off the bat. And then, you know, you could have the category manager or the merchandiser say, hey, you know, I saw this and I can ask all up questions. You could say, hey, tell me, how was the sales pattern? What does the sales pattern be over the last two weeks? And you can show that if there was a declining sales pattern. And then he can add the marketer and say, hey, through that collaboration chat interface, just like how we all chat in a text uh, or, or on WhatsApp, right? You can think about an experience where I can instantly add uh, someone else uh, who I should be collaborating with. It's saying, hey, my sales assembly dropped in this particular category, uh, and I know that you are planning a promotion. Uh, should, you know, probably we should accelerate that promotion, right? So things like that, right, where the system is... Uh, a, providing you timely insights, helping everybody get on the same page, and then help everyone collaborate you know, looking at the same set of data right, without having to you know, send across. The old world view was sending across Excel spreadsheets a week later or a week, two weeks later, someone has to open it, then has to again call somebody and say, why did you send me this Excel? And then that's, so now, now you're t turning into a world which is a lot more real time, a lot more faster to collaborate, and it's nimbleness, exactly to Scott's point. It's all about speed, right? To 
speed to action. And if we can enable that speed to action uh, by helping bring people on the same page and collaborate faster, then it, I think, changes uh, how they can drive that uh, profitability goal. Right? Uh, yeah. Sure. Um, so on, in, from my seat, I think we, I think it's going to do a lot of different things from two, two different perspectives. So let's, let's look at, look at the CPG side and who we buy from. And those industries, from my experience, have been extremely, um, vertical. So you've got sales and marketing, and then you've got production. And so sales and marketing, they create the products, the models, the marketing, the selling, and then many times, and which leads to out of stocks is that maybe production isn't on the same page. AI is going to allow them to be able to make fact-based um, modeling that's going to allow them to be much more accurate and going to take into account many, many more parameters and variables that's going to change, I think, on that side, much more about how that product comes to market and maybe better decisions. Um, as a sidebar, there might be 10 to 20,000 items or way more. Um, I'm just talking about what might make it on the shelf, but there's a tremendous amount of flood of new items coming to the marketplace. And, and in my opinion, many, many not tested. You know, they see a, an opportunity in a particular uh, category or subcategory, and that uh, sports drinks gets flooded, as an example. Now you got everybody out there overloading the retailer, trying to get their product on the shelf and that kind of thing. So from the CPG side, I think it's going to change a lot of things. From the from the retailer side, the retail industry, as like most retail industries, or at least I'll speak for mine, it's merchandising and operations, right? So merchandising is the home of the strategy and, and tactics and how to drive sales and what you stand for. Are you, are you, you know, are you service? Are you price? You know, how all that plays out. And then you have operations. So operations is out there on the receiving end of the grand scheme. And they're trying to operate every day back to this model. And and having been both merchandising and operations in my career, this, the easiest way I can explain it for us is merchandising writes the plan, operations executes the plan until the plan's not right. And then operation goes back to merchandising and says, hey, I need another plan. And so I think what's going to change is the ability to to be much more accurate fact-based you know not just uh that you're it's not going to do away with all the subjectiveness of how to go to market but it's certainly going to be much more fact-based in developing those strategies on the marketing side of of how we go to market and and that can fit for any retailer out there so um the amount of impact i think we're barely scratching the surface and as you can see just by this conversation we're bouncing from item to item, but every one of them relate back to, you know, such a powerful tool. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, because I, I've worked on the, on the, I guess on the other side of the selling and online grocery with mm -hmm. um, CPG brands, mainly like global brands, um, like Mars, um, Colgate, et cetera, where yep. their issue is they want to sell more through online grocers. They need to optimize their digital store yep. listings but they are often frustrated by the lack of data, whereas the online grocers are being bombarded for requests for data, and they're like, why do you want all this data? What? So you have this this almost impasse. I'd love to know, are you, like, is Hypersonics going to, is it currently being used by online grocers to help provide that intelligence back to brands to get them to invest more smartly in the digital store? So that they, like, because brands have marketing budget, 
but they're reticent to use it. And I, I can foresee where that the data that and the recommendations that Hypersonics generates can really help untap that marketing spend. I would be interested in your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, that's a great point, uh, James. I think today uh, our primary focus has always been still, you know, I think to Scott's point, we're still in the early stages of AI adoption even within retail, right? So just we're seeing uh, what we have been seeing in the last 12, 18 months is a sudden growth in adoption just across even regional retailers on, you know, who are initially gun shy on what AI can help. And, and then you needed evangelists like Scott and others who were a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of applying AI and to actual use cases. So we are beginning to see now a growth in adoption of AI across retail. And I think the next step to that is going to be leveraging some of those AI benefits that they're gaining to help their suppliers, uh, essentially the manufacturers, make smarter decisions, right? I think you're going to see that as a natural next step uh, because as retailers are beginning to see better value, like for example, today we have uh, retailers who use us to help with uh, vendor scorecarding, right? They want to understand which vendors are more profitable for them and why, and it helps them negotiate with their vendors better in terms of understanding promotion dollars and what to promote and end cap aisles, a variety of things that they do with their with their vendors, right? I think the natural next step towards that is being able to provide the data even to their vendors or their suppliers to help them with better uh, pricing, promotions, uh, new product introductions, uh, all of those things are the, are the very next step that you'll start seeing as more and more retailers start leveraging the benefits, are able to see that, hey, I, if I had these promotions or if I had these products, I can be more profitable, uh, being able to influence their manufacturing partners to do that uh, in a more effective manner. And that's just, just a matter of time, right? And I know that they are more hungry than the retailers, but, but the data is with the retailers, right? The data retailers still have the actual consumer data in terms of what's what's working and what's not working and why and at what times and what times of the year and times of the day. So I think as you see more and more mass adoption, which which frankly has happened with the larger guys, right? If you see today Kroger or uh, they have partners like Dunhumby or they have part, or they have either in-house teams that they've bought out, like Walmart has its own Walmart labs. Uh, and so, the, so you see the larger guys being able to do that today with uh, their uh, manufacturing partners or their CPGs. I think it's going to be a lot more prevalent now with the regional guys, uh, because as more and more of the regional guys and the mid-market retailers get get their arms around leveraging data to their benefit and becoming more nimble, I think they can together create their own cooperatives and then have a much stronger influence on their manufacturing partners. Uh, and we see that as a very next natural progression that we'll be able to enable them with. Yeah. Well, I I I totally agree, Prem, and and I think that you know the the supermarket industry, at least you know for the last thirty forty years, we we look at data as intellectual property, and it has a huge amount of value to it. And so, if you're in a, especially with the proliferation of the big boxes you know, down to cities that might have, you know, 10, even 25,000 people in it. And you have a, maybe a big box and you have yourself and maybe a small independent, much less the idea of Dollar General and, and all those type of small, uh, unique stores that are out there. So suddenly, it, it, you know, if you're, if you're a low margin business, you have brick and mortar investment, then the idea of people knowing what you're you know, what your strategy are and where you're priced, 
um, becomes huge to you as as the, the the retailers going to market. What I think evolves and changes is that becoming aware of the fact that um, you really begin to understand with price elasticity and basket analysis where your profit is within your customer base. So suddenly you may find that 20, 30% of your customer base is price oriented and that's their biggest decision maker. But you may have 50, 60, 70% of your customers that are not driven by price. And so you begin to manage the difference between profitable customers and how much margin you have to spend to make the, you know, to make your price relevant and still be able to provide best service, best price, you know, that type of thing. Um, so it, it's, it, you know, a long way around. That's why the data is so, is guarded so closely because um, if my, if a big box or even another regional retailer has my information, um, they're likely going to target me in some ways and it's going to give them a leg up. So I, I don't see that changing a lot. I see that, and, and right now out there, there's plenty of AC Nielsen and different stuff that can give you a, a, a an average selling price in a particular marketplace. So it's not like it's not, there's not a lot of information out there. But um, again, you're back around to the level of sophistication of the retailer and how they're moving in the marketplace. And, and, you know, you see a lot in like any channel you see, you see retail come and go, whether it be brick and mortar or e-commerce or whatever. So, you know, who could crack the code and have the value proposition as well as be competitive on price. And lo and behold, you know, you, you, you've got better tools nowadays. And, and, uh, that's why I've been pretty excited in the last couple of years since, uh, I was introduced to hyper. And just the idea of them being able to give us a forward learning tool, uh, game changer as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued to see Brem where it develops with that uh, helping strengthen relationships between like proactive thinking brands and proactive thinking retailers. Because I, I haven't had so many conversations with with brands and tried done training with them about what good data sharing is, how you open up data share relationships, and how you build it into your um, joint business plans and all that stuff. They just foresee the ability for a tool to say, if you invest in in sponsored placement on these search terms, you could get an uplift of X. That intelligence in real time shared back to a brand rather than spend here, you can spend $15,000 extra on this without any understanding of what impact it will have. Um, I could see that as a real game changer for the brand's willingness to open up marketing taps. Um, so, yeah watch this space basically that's interesting um and scott coming coming back to you on, on that kind of strategic consultant picture how when you're working um with uh the independents and inevitably budget constraints are always always important to understand in businesses there's always conflict for where money's being spent how how do you think they can make an investment in a generative ai tool payoff instead of it just being seen as another tool that people don't get value from uh, you know who who needs to own it? How should the business approach this to make it successful usage? Yeah, and I think that in our industry, that's that's probably one of the challenges out there. So many times, unless the uh, senior leadership is in tune with uh, technology in the marketplace, um, it ends up maybe not being a big enough part of the strategic thinking, and so it it, it sometimes it falls to the uh, the VP of technology or IT, who traditionally is more of a plug and play. Here's the hardware, 
here's the here's the software that runs the front ends and things like that. And I think that the retailers that are beginning to give voice to their tech, you know, their technology and their their forward leaning um, tools out there is what's beginning to make the change. So I think that 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 coupled with the pressures from as we've been discussing from all different sides is forcing retailers, uh, especially in that mid range, to look for solutions and solutions that are going to produce um, results. And I think that that's where the that's where the the bridge becomes uh, more and more important. I, I think that's why you're seeing and Prim can address this, but that's why you're seeing more and more interest suddenly out of the retail segment in the middle ground is because you know all we all we hear is AI, and then that takes you out of the technology realm and into a, more of a strategic exposure. And if you're a retailer that is looking for strategy, you, you're exposed enough in it uh, on a regular basis in normal life and news and everything else that suddenly, even if you're not aggressive, you're still uh, exposed to it. So suddenly you start having the conversations internally. And if you're, if you're not having those conversations, certainly, you know, someone from the outside that comes in, I, I think, I think because AI is such a fact driven, informational driven um, kind of model that it takes out the subjectiveness of of and the personality that goes along with um, maybe some of the technologies in the past. So I, I think that finding I think the right people in the senior leadership, blending between IT and blending between um, marketing and go to market, um, that's what that's where I think this tool lies. It's not going to really make a dramatic change at store level like self-checkout or something like that might, where it's going to really show up is on the labor side where you're turning your, you, you much now, you, you definitely understand turns, you're cutting your inventory, but just in time becomes real because now you're, now you're using truly technology that gives you just in time. It's not you trying to figure out it on a spreadsheet, but it's real. And so I think that, that that's the, the, the path that I take when I'm having conversations with retailers on my side. And if I can just bridge back to what we're talking about from the CPI side, you know, where, I, where we've had a lot of success is, you know, you're, you're promising, you develop relationships with C, even regional smaller players that, that, you know, Texas is a big state. So um, I live in Texas. So down here, it could be a regional player, but if I have a hundred stores, I could move a lot of product. And so, suddenly you're you're not just relying upon i think i'm going to sell this and looking at what you sold in the past you're actually plugging it in you've got competition you're looking at retail margins you're seeing where you want to fit in and and if you're a proactive collaborative type of partner in that relationship i think that's where the competitive advantage comes from from some of the local players that have done really well the hebs of the world and the you know, the folks out there on, and even, you know, at Deerberg, I'm using some, some, you know, regional independence, but, you know, that's the dominance and the, the way to play is, uh, is Wegmans. And that's how they maintain is trying to stay ahead of that curve. Um, so I think this just continues to, to, to add to that value relationship. Yeah. And I kind of, I mean, I think Scott's spot on on that, right? I think as you think about <clears throat> adoption of AI within the retail e-commerce world event. I think it is a C-level prerogative or it is a senior level leadership prerogative 
because you're again talking about moving the needle for the business. Right? You're talking about profitability. You're talking about increasing sales, reducing cost of operations, uh, everything that's fundamentally touching your top line and bottom line. Right, and it is something that requires a certain level of senior leadership sponsorship to be able to take advantage of. And there is obviously a clear first mover advantage. That's the, the, the people who are what we are beginning to see is. Uh, if there are some people like Scott who understand the value of AI and how I can apply to very specific use cases, but, and it's not a general pie in the sky, hey, help, we can help you make decisions better, but it's getting very specific into, hey, what kind of decisions and where, right? And how is that going to really move the needle for you, right? Whether it's a better pricing decision, better promotional decision, better inventory decision, better, you know, whatever, we can pick 15 different areas where very specifically, it adds value, and you're able to measure ROI and in a very tangible manner within a very short amount of time, right? Either in terms of the R productivity gain or amount of past decisions or how many missed decisions you had in the past to what you're doing now. So you're able to very quantifiably measure that, and you're able to see that happen in specific use cases. Uh, clearly, pricing is one of those areas. Uh, we see promotion effectiveness is another area. We see better management of uh, uh, inventory and stock out and, and so on and so forth, right? Uh, and what we're beginning to see is once you have that senior level leadership, I think people slowly start seeing the benefits of how much time they can get saved and how much faster they're able to make decisions. And then it kind of spreads from there. And I think we're beginning to see that happen more and more. And I think the biggest beneficiary is also to a earlier point is the regionals, right? Who really were strapped in terms of resources and couldn't invest hugely in in-house IT systems, right? So doing something like this in-house would cost an arm and a leg. Like you couldn't build a, like a Target or a Walmart in-house team of, you know, 50 data scientists and 50 systems just to be able to make smarter decisions. Now, now, now that you have platforms like ours that can help them make those decisions without having to do huge in-house investments, I think our areas where they're beginning to see that they can take advantage of this. Uh, and, and you know, the, many of these guys are fairly loved but they're regional, right? Like the HEBs of the world or the bigments of the world, they're all big in their own size, in their own state or in their own region. And uh, they're interested in making these smarter, faster decisions, right? And I think that's where we see a huge opportunity as well. Uh, and I think it's a win-win-win. I think uh, the retailers win. Uh, eventually, I think even the CPG companies uh, will, will gain tremendously from this because they can move more of their product through these retailers. Um, and, and you'll see that consumers win, right? Consumers are going to see uh, you know, better promotions, better pricing, better inventory, better, you know, things that, that helps them. Uh, and I think, you know, grocery is one of those markets where people still love to go in store and buy. And, and I think that's, uh, that's going to, you see more and more of that happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Agree. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm definitely interested to keep an ear, um, or an eye on, not an ear on, um, eye on where it goes in terms of, of forging closer relationships between, um, the brands and the retailers. I think that's going to be a very interesting space. Uh, but look, um, Prem and Scott, that's that's answered all the questions I want to get across. I think it's going to be really interesting for everyone listening. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to find out a little bit more information um, about, uh, I guess, because we focus on the line grocery, um, how do they reach out? Um, who can they connect with? Yeah, I mean, you can connect with uh, with, with it, hypersonics, uh, like uh, like always, it's info at hypersonics.ai. Uh, you can send me a direct email, prem at hypersonics.ai, uh, or uh, sales at hypersonics.ai. We'll be happy to answer any of your questions, provide material, and 
also case studies on how we're seeing several of these retainers gain quick ROI. Um, and, and I think this is definitely an area of, uh, that's worth testing. And and we always also suggest, you know, uh, all work run, you know, there could be one or two areas that you start with, whether it's pricing or promotions or inventory, and then expand into other areas. But you will see that this provides a quick first more advantage. Um, and we're seeing that with all of our uh, partners today, right? Yeah, on my side, you can reach me directly at scottmiller369 at outlook.com. Fantastic. Um, really appreciate you both taking the time. And thanks, as always, for everyone for listening in. We hope you enjoyed it. Keep your ear open for our next episode. We drop one every week. And don't forget before you go to give us that rating wherever you might be listening or watching. Until next week, everyone, take care. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.